this week's episode, I am talking with Caitlin Vollinger. She has her own business supporting women in the holistic wellness area, and I absolutely look up to her. She is a powerhouse, one of the kindest people I have ever met, and just has a lot of insight into your 20s and your journey and your path and how you make decisions and just kind of life in general. So I'm very excited to talk to her today. Hey guys, welcome to the Becca Blue Rose podcast, where every week we explore different topics in life, balance, travel, growth, and more. Join me, your host, as I talk to people on mountaintops during long walks and share my insights on the things that I'm learning. Whether it's finding peace in nature, discovering new cultures, or simply learning something new, this podcast is all about embracing new experiences and living life to the fullest. So grab your headphones and join me on this journey. everyone a little bit about yourself what you're up to kind of like your background what work you're doing sure so my name is Caitlin Bollinger uh, I'm currently living outside of Toronto and uh, as that work visa comes to a close I will be moving to Seattle um, where I'm really excited to be I think there's a lot of opportunity um, in place and and it's important to me that the place that I'm in is really reflective of where I'm in in my life, um, and so I'm always quite open uh, to moving wherever it feels that I need to be. So that feels really exciting, and that's very like on the horizon, quite close on the horizon. Um, I am 31, and I have been building my own business uh, over the past few years pretty rigorously, um, with no real goal and that might sound a, a bit counterintuitive but um i never i never thought my life would be what it is now i just always knew how i wanted to feel and what type of impact i wanted to make and i've just been following that since and i think it's scary for some people to know that i don't have a goal or that i don't have some clear path forward um but yeah i think i think it really works for me because it allows me to be really agile and to know and to trust myself and knowing what's what's next. So that's that's kind of where I'm at right now. Okay, so I actually didn't know that you didn't have a goal. I I honestly yeah. like I guess from what I know from you, I kind of expected you to have this like big end game goal. So when you started your business, what was kind of like your mindset then of like like what do you would you mind telling us like what you actually do? Like, what is your business? Yeah, sure. So that's a, that's a two-part uh, question. So I, I did slash do have goals, um, which are kind of looped into how my business started, which I can, I can share as well. But um, I think sometimes with the larger visioning of things, whether it's life or job or partner, perhaps creating it too much of a definition oftentimes I think is quite limiting because you're seeking to fill a box. And then once you've filled the box, you're like, do I even want to be in this box? Um, so I've always been much more focused on um, 
yeah, having, having a path as opposed to like going towards something specific. Um, and that's worked for me. I know it doesn't work for everybody. Um, but what I do right now, uh, is, is variable for depending on who, who I'm working with. Uh, so I help a variety of people in the holistic wellness world, bring their, their creations, their visions, their dreams to life. Uh, so I am supporting people, uh, whether they're holistic therapists um, in the field of sexuality or holistic nutritionists and cookbook authors, um, people with um, like new and creative ways uh, to combine movement and spirituality in their lives. And uh, my clients are spread all around the world. And that's really exciting too. Um, and uh, yeah, so I do everything from small scale admin tasks that are vital to the support of the business and to the person that's leading the business, but I'm also doing business visioning and, um, kind of brand identity and, um, just kind of brand voice and, and CEO support, like really close CEO support. Uh, I find that a lot of people, a lot of women specifically, um, who are running their own business, who have a very strong, um, a strong vision, they feel quite isolated. And so it's like everything in life has said, be your own, like CEO, like be your woman entrepreneur. And then once they get there, it's quite isolating. They're like, nobody cares about my business as much as I do. Nobody believes in me as much as I do. Um, who am I going to share my inspiration with? Uh, and so it, I think it's quite isolating at that level to not have somebody that you feel is really in it with you. So I think it's quite isolating um, in many ways. Uh, and so when I started working for the woman I, I moved here for, which ties back into my dreams, I in college sometimes, so that was, I don't know, 2000, maybe 11 or so. Uh, I was reading a food magazine. I was very into food, very into holistic lifestyle and cooking. And I came across the best food blog award. And at this point, like food blogs are phasing out. Blogs in general are phasing out as we kind of social media hit the world um, and took away any sort of long form writing, as you know. And um, so I, I found this woman, Sarah Britton, who wrote My New Roots, the blog. And I was just so struck. I was like, she was talking directly to me. And at that moment in time, my life goal, my life dream was to meet her, like let alone work for her, but just to meet her. I was like, that is something that feels so unattainable to me, but like perhaps it will happen someday. And so then um, I graduated college. I started working on an organic farm. I fell in love with farming and it's the, the power of agriculture as a healing modality, power of agriculture as a community builder, um, and just as like a self-development tool, especially if you're talking organic or biodynamics, when you combine deep thought and deep consciousness with actual production of something that you then eat, I think it's an incredibly intimate process. And so I had this beautiful experience with, with farming and then having the opportunity to meet Sarah on a retreat. And um, so I flew to Bali and I was just kind of like, I need to have three months off of my job. And like, if you are like, don't pay me, 
I would love a job if I come back, but if you're not okay with this, like I have to do this. I was like, my goal is to meet this woman. I know I have to do this. So I flew to Bali. And um, of course this, this brings up the question of, of privilege and security and all of those things that are really important for me to name here, because like I couldn't, because I worked in college, because I was able to graduate with no loans, because I was an RA and I did a bunch of, of grant stuff. And, and so I was able to pay for my college, but I graduated without loans. Like I probably wouldn't have been able to do this if I didn't do that. Um, if I had the security of going to college in the first place and like, if I didn't have savings. And so I, I acknowledge the fact that it's not easy for everybody to be like, peace out for three months. I've got savings. Let me go farm around the world. I understand that that's not, that's not, um, realistic for many people. Um, in my case, it was, and I was able to go to Bali to meet Sarah. And quickly I was like, this is, this is it. Um, and so I went back to my, my full-time job for one year and kind of created a role that I was, that I was in. And that's something that's really important thread throughout my life. I'm constantly creating, like if, if somebody can do it, I'm not really that interested in it. If I, if I can feel as if I'm creating it, myself, then I'm like, yeah, that's worthwhile to me. Um, like I can digest something and then, and then create it through my own perspective and my own lens. I think that's really important, um, to me as a person to be able to do what I can, what I'm seeing. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so then, yeah, I'm, I met Sarah and then I moved to Canada really as like an internship. We were like, okay, well, she can't pay for me to be here full time yet. That was the dream and the goal, but I was like, I have to take this leap. Like, again, that like very strong thing, like this is my life goal at, it was what, 27 when I moved, I was like, at 27, I have achieved my life goal, like meeting this woman and working for her and now moving internationally to be whatever she needs me to be. And like, really, that was, that was just such an eye-opening moment at 27 to be like, now what, like, what, what am I supposed to do now? Um, when all of my big goal has been achieved that I never thought I would ever achieve. Um, and so that kind of brought to life then what my business was. It's like, if I was able to, if I was able to receive so much fulfillment and satisfaction for supporting somebody that I believe in and who has changed my life in such a positive way, if I can support her, to create a business, a bigger business, a wider audience, a deeper breadth of, of work, if I can support that for her, then, then I also achieve that for myself. Then like I have a hand in supporting the thousands, the hundreds of thousands of people that know her and know her work that like I'm able to support her to elevate and achieve. Um, and so I'm like, then Sarah quickly said, my friend, needs you to do this too. Um, Mikola Marilyn Kissy out of Copenhagen, um, who has a company called Living Yolatis and uh, it combines yoga, Pilates uh, and dance in a really amazing and beautiful way uh, with spirituality and the, the seasonal energies and shifts and the balance of masculine and feminine. So then I started working for Mikola and the same thing happened. I started doing tasks and then quickly they were like, uh, then they started coming to me and saying like, what do you think about this? Or like, I have this opportunity. What do you think about this? And next thing I know it, I'm their secondhand woman that they're coming to for business advice, visioning advice, 
laughing, crying, being upset, uh, complaining, celebrating. Then I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a need for this. And then it happened again with the woman I work for in Kentucky. She's a holistic uh, therapist um, focused in sexuality and relationships, Dr. Juliana Hauser. And the same type of thing happened. I just started doing some like branding stuff, like changing colors in Canva. And then like quickly, she was like, I don't trust people. And I keep coming to you. Like, I am trusting you. I trust what you say. I trust your intuition. You have ethics and values that I want and need on my side. I want somebody to protect me and my interest in my business. So I'm like, okay, this is not a, this is not, un, this is not like a, a random act. This doesn't just start happening um, with, and not be of value. So I was like, okay, I'm taking note. I'm starting to understand that like what I'm doing has value and it has a need. And then that's just continued to keep growing. And now I'm in, in talks with somebody else uh, uh, about helping to support my role for them. And then uh, there's another woman here in Canada, Lisa Messina for the Messina movement, who does a lot of vagus nerve things um, and somatic therapy and true trauma healing so it's like, they all have this different angle at holistic health and, and have changed my life deeply, each one of them. So I'm like the pride I receive in supporting them to change more people's lives makes me feel like I am doing it all as well. And um, so that was a very long winded answer to what I do and who I support, but there, there you have it. No, I mean, that's amazing. I didn't even know like half of that yeah. <laughs> can we can we go back to the fact that you just like dropped your life and moved to Bali for three months now was this like because I know Sarah does retreats so was this like a retreat that you signed up for and like paid for and you yeah. went and so how did that I guess lead to you then interning with her because then you said well you said you went back and you worked a year at your full-time job yep so then where in there was the like leading up to you yeah exactly at lunch um yeah so I I probably misinterpreted this because I think it's funny but I probably got just like a general like we're throwing a retreat in Bali and it's actually Sarah and Mikola so the first two women I started working for they put on retreats together and um so I probably just got like a generic like a newsletter and I was like Sarah invited me. <laughs> like, I probably thought that one. I was like, wow. Or maybe she wrote it in like a personal email because we had been emailing back and forth at that time um, every six months or so. Um, and I'm sure like we joke about it and we read my emails sometimes and they were, they were really persistent and they were really like, how do I learn Danish? Because she was living in Denmark at the time. And she's like, girl is just really focused on this. Um, I don't mean to make light of any sort of like real, real like stalkers because that really exists in the world and it can be very scary. But of course, Sarah's like internal alarm was like, this woman is like very dedicated. She's like very persistent. And now she's coming to Bali. And she told me that she would have like conversations with her husband because that type of stuff does really happen. And I think that's something that I've been trying to understand, like, what is the difference between dedication and perseverance and like persistence? 
And then when does it become almost uh, like addictive or negative behavior? And that can be seen in so many aspects of your life from food to exercise, to people, to role models, to friendships, to relationships. And so it's like so many, that, that is something I'm really interested in and in continuing to deep dive. Um, but that's a whole different podcast episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I signed up for Bali and I, I was, I was sitting at home cause I was living at home, uh, after college. Great idea, by the way, if you can, if you can do that and it's, it doesn't shrink your spirit to a level that you can't regain it. I think it's really important <laughs> to do that because not paying rent for those five or six years hugely set me up for a stability for stability um in in my life so i would highly recommend that to anybody um who has a good a good situation and, and who can do that um but yeah i was sitting on the couch and i was like mom would you be sick over the fact if i went to bali and she was like i do not like it but like i wouldn't be sick and then before saying anything else i put my credit card in my deposit and i was like okay, well, I'm going to go. <laughs> so then, so then I, I did that before I even have a talk to work. I was just like, this is something I have to do. Okay. And, um, so it was a, yeah. So I went to the retreat in Bali. I didn't stay in Bali for that whole time. I was only in Bali for like a week and a half. I stayed a little bit before the retreat and a little bit after. Um, but then I have some of my best friends in the whole world. They're practically family in Australia. And so I'm like, if I'm in Bali, I want to go to Australia every year. Anyways, I'm going to do Bali, Australia, New Zealand, utilize my farming skills and tools and community of farmers around the world, specifically biodynamic farmers. I'm going to travel Australia, New Zealand, meet people, farm and things after Bali. So I said, I need to take this time to really dive in. So yeah, that's what I that's what I did. And then when I came back to my far farming job, I was able to pitch to the company I was working for at the time, um, Wegmans. Uh, I'm sure some people <laughs> are familiar with Wegmans, a big grocery store chain on the East Coast, very much committed to um, yeah, organic farming and farming in general and, and local foods. And so I pitched to them that I, I would like to increase the relationships between partner farms and their local stores. And so I was able to continue what I was doing in Australia and New Zealand by going to partner farms in the US and bringing that knowledge and bringing that kind of partnership back to the store. So I was then educating employees and customers why like this tomato from an hour east of here is way better than something that's coming from halfway around the world. Yes, it's great that we have both, but if we can make a choice and if you have the, yeah, the financial security to be able to make a choice, like it is a privilege to make a choice. And if we can make that choice, let's support the people that are in our neighborhoods, in our communities, working to really like nourish the soil in our backyards, I think is really important. So I was able to do that for a year. And then at that point, um, at the end of, of that year, Wegmans and I both were just like, I have more in me to give. I have more entrepreneurial spirit to like go after. And um, they could offer me a marketing position. And um, though there's nothing against a marketing position, it just wasn't, it felt quite stifling to me. And so it was this perfect time where Sarah was like, I've got a few projects. It would be really nice for you to come up and, and try like 
write an ebook with me for a week. So I stayed up here for a week and then we just started talking and I was like, this has to happen. And she's like, I don't know what I can offer you, but like, if you can create a role, if you can create the business, if you can create a sustainable way for my business to hire you, like I, I would take that leap. And so that was that transition. So I didn't know how I was going to do that. I have no marketing skills. I have no business skills. I have no admin skills, like, but I have some skills that I'm still trying to learn what they are on a resume. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that was the transition. It was a beautiful, like um, amicable end at Wegmans and just saying like, I need to spread my wings. I need to go. Um, and they were of course grateful for all the, the groundwork that I had laid for the next people to take on at the farm and things like that. And then it was this perfect opening of Sarah to say like, I'm ready to take a chance. Let's see how it works. And I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, if I'm moving to Canada and it was two weeks before the border closed from COVID. So I moved to Canada and then wasn't able to come back to the States for like 16 months or something. Um, and so thank God it worked out. <laughs> Because yeah. we joke about it all the time. We're like, what if we really didn't get along? Like, what if we didn't, what if you saw behind the curtain? Because like mm -hmm. that often happens with role models and people you really look up to when you see their human aspects, so much of what you ascribe to them can be very confronting for yourself. And so I would say that is another thing, another kind of a lesson that I've learned throughout my time is to always go into it knowing that there's way more to the story than anybody would ever see and be looking for the humanness as opposed to be looking for like the hero in people. Um, because I think that that's something that's really been able to serve me and uh, has created a really deep relationship with Sarah and I and everybody I work for. They, mm -hmm. they trust me. They trust me to to be able to see them at vulnerable moments, to be able to see parts of their business that are underdeveloped um, and not judge and say like, oh, I thought this would be better than it is. It's just like, this is where we're at. Now, how can I help you get someplace better? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and I mean, the women that you work for, a lot of them have the same values as you. So would you ever, like, is that something you really look for when you are looking to work for people? You wouldn't just jump into working with people that don't share those values or have you experienced that? Yeah, like people don't have the same values as you. Yeah, exactly. That's a great question. Um, I have never like I don't have a website. I have like a personal Instagram that I'm never on because I'm like, get away from Instagram. I can't can't even stand it. But yet I still get sucked in. But ridiculous. <laughs> um, so like I don't ever market anybody that I've worked for um, has come to me by word of mouth. Um, and I'm really completely at capacity and just trying to figure out what that means and what that looks like, because I want to I have the desire to continue to do more of what I'm doing, but I physically just can't. So what that looks like, I don't know yet. Um, I'm in the process of working through that with each individual, um, and what would suit their business and their needs. So yeah, I, I would know very quickly, um, if somebody came to me and I just wasn't, wasn't on board, like, if somebody's not genuine, like I don't ever expect anybody to be perfect. Like then I would be expecting that of me. Like that would yeah. be a really big disappointment for everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do very much. I couldn't. I couldn't work with somebody that didn't have like conscious values. Whether that comes from like 
inclusion and equity values or ethical values or wanted to continue self-development, however that looks for them. Like I'm not looking for stagnation. I'm not looking for, um, yeah, just, I'm not looking for things that are contributing to the way that our world is now. Like I want vision. I want difference. I want dreamers. I want, I want that type of thing because that's what fills me too. Like if I'm, if I'm saying that my life is forever going to be serving people living in their dreams, then I've got to figure out what my dream is. And I have to make that very clear to me because it's like, I have no aspirations to start my own business and hire a me. I very much see myself doing this. Like I see myself this as my career is the support role. And so I, I have to be very clear about that and know that like the support role is just as important as the main, as the main role. And so if I'm supporting things that I don't believe in, then my career is something that I don't believe in either. So mm-hmm. kind of back to you, you know, headed to Bali here. Or have you always been someone then that like will take those leaps? So like, you know, that w- that you said that was like kind of the thing that led you to where you are now. Is that something you would do again? That if like, you know, you saw a dream that you wanted to help out with and you were just like, I'm like, I have to do this. Like, would you follow that intuition? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that's kind of how this move to the West coast is. Um, Mm -hmm. that's how my move is with relationships with anybody. It's like, if I know, if I know you're in, you're in, like, it's just like, yes, I, I have a very hard time like letting go, whether that's people or things, or um, I wouldn't say in material things, but like ideas. Like once somebody's my friend, they are my friend. And that's kind of screwed me in the past a little bit because it allows for a lot of like <laughs> poor treatment. Um, but it's it's just this huge, this huge depth that I, I, I like really care, like really, really care. Um, but I also really trust the leaps. Um, I'm not really sure where that comes from. Um, yeah, my, my parents are both, they've made a a really incredible life, um, for themselves and for me, I'm an, I'm an only child. Um, but there, there's a lack of understanding about where this like leap comes from, or this like travel or this like worldly desire to just experience it's just not the same um and I think some of that has to do with generational and like what they were taught as what success looked like like having a a heterosexual marriage with children however many you can have at a young age like with some sort of religion having a house in the suburbs like that I think a lot I don't know if they would say that that was a a dream that didn't align, but they felt forced to do it or if they really wanted that dream. I don't really know. Um, But it's so far from any sort of dream that I have. Like that's not even remotely in my vision that that's something I'm looking for. Um, And so I think that allows me to not be tied to any sort of leap. And that's not to say that somebody who doesn't, somebody who wants a marriage and a house, like that they can't also take leaps and risks and things like that. I think they can coexist, but I, I, I'm never held back by that. I don't feel behind. I don't feel like I'm not on the right track for anything uh, because I haven't created any tracks to be on. That allows me to jump quite easily 
And once my mind is made up about something, it's very clear. It's just very clear. And really, I think that's something in my, in the past couple of years that I've really discovered the magic of is that like anything, not anything within reason, of course, but the things that we want to change in our life and do have control over all it takes is a decision. Like we have to make our, our mind up. We've got to get all the parts of ourselves on board. Like, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but you can make something up in your mind and say like, yes, I'm going to do it, but your body's not on board or your spirit's not on board. And so you're not on board, but like when all the pieces of you get on board and you're like, this is an absolute yes, or this is an absolute no, you are fully equipped to make that, that choice and everything in your life then just pours into that naturally. And you're like, okay, this is, this is what we're doing. All of us, this is what we're doing. Um, yeah. So, so that leap, that leap was quite, the leaps continue to be easy to me when they're fully aligned. Um, and if I have any hesitation, then it's not, it's not the time or it's not right. So, you know, I think that's a pretty unique perspective though, because that's something I'm trying to work towards is being like this idea of hell yes and hell no. And like, as I said, the whole, this whole season is kind of just like moving towards things that feel good. And as a person in their young twenties, it is really nice to hear that you say, oh, I don't feel behind. And I don't feel like I'm, I'm on this path because I think I'm a lot like you where I, I don't have this like vision to you know a lot of my friends are like I I want a boyfriend and I want to get married and I want to have kids by the time I'm 30 and I'm like I'm 24 if I want to have kids by the time I'm 30 I'm like logistically I should start looking for a boyfriend like yesterday (laughs) and so I'm just like it's just really good for at least for me to hear that and I know people that will listen to this as well it's just like it's it's hard to not feel behind sometimes when you know, everyone else is kind of like, or seems to be in that step ahead. But I also think that kind of stems a lot from social media, because we, we see just little pieces of people's lives. And you're just like, Oh, well, they have that career that I don't have, or they have that family that I don't have. But it's just like, you know, there's no race to the finish line. And I think that's kind of like, what I'm trying to get at here is like, just kind of moving forward and feeling like I'm at least moving towards something that feels remotely positive in my life, exactly. I guess. Yeah, there is but no finish line for yeah. me. I don't know what that would look like. I don't know what success looks like. I don't know. I don't have clear visions of what these like terms that we're all searching for. I don't have clear visions of what that is, but I feel, but yet I feel them every day. I feel success every day and I feel like care and love every day. And I I feel these things every day, but it's not like, I don't know what they look like. And I think, I think that's a bit of a, something that I have created for myself because I don't, I don't ever want to say like, love looks like this or success looks like this, because then I find that I become dependent on that. And then I lose, I stop searching for other things that will make me feel successful or I'll stop searching for things that don't make me feel a different kind of love or, when you, when you feel like you've got it figured out, I think a lot of that, yeah, it's like you're retired, right? Like you're in your lazy boy and you're retired and you're like, I know this is going to make me feel successful. I know this is going to make my body feel well. I know this like check. And I'm just like, well, then what, what are we doing? Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think that's something I definitely had to learn was that there's different 
ways to experience a lot of things because we get attached to the comfort that we feel from like a specific moment but when you learn that like there's a hundred different ways to be in love with someone and that took me a really long time to learn because I think a lot of people get attached to the idea of the previous person that they were with you know they get attached to what that love looked like but they don't realize that was one love out of like a million other ways to experience love and like maybe the next time you experience that it'll be worse and you'll be like that's not for me but maybe the next time you experience that you'll be like yes this is it like this is what I want and I think that that just comes with anything like with career with just literally anything that you're doing it's like okay well I experienced success in this area of my life and maybe I'll try again and it won't work but maybe I'll try again and it'll send me to the moon so I mean you can't get comfortable. Yeah, I think there's an analogy that I've kind of developed over the past year. I'm sure this is like written in a book someplace, but I didn't read that book. So never okay. came up. It. It's brilliant. <laughs> um, but yeah, and thinking about now that you're talking about that, I think it's probably applicable to multiple different things, whether it's jobs or X, Y, Z, but thinking about relationships and loving relationships as the person that you're in a relationship with is the key to unlock things within you. It's not what you are like. It's not what they provide you. It's not what you create together. It's like, if you have this beautiful relationship that unlocked something within you to know that that is possible and that lives within you. And when you break up, if you break up, if you find somebody else, like that doesn't go away, that innate, that innate feeling you create it. Like we create that. And so if you look at people or opportunities or jobs or whatever it is as the key to unlock things within you, as opposed to outside of you, then you don't feel this loss. You're, you're continually building, building these open doors because they're all existing here. It's just that somebody else is the key to unlock what's available to you within you. Um, And that has really changed the way that I look at relationships Um, because your key is going to be different than somebody else's. And so like not comparing and using a broad term like love, but saying like your, the love that is unlocked within you because of this person is going to be different than the door that is unlocked by the key from somebody else. And so to know that that's always there, it doesn't go away and it's not reliant on somebody else Um, coming from a, a history of some pretty dependent relationships and very like hot blazy relationships in my past. I thought that I needed that person so much. Like I ascribed all of it to them. I was like, they are the best thing in the world. But then when I took a step back, I was like, yes, they are great. But also the way that I was feeling I created because of them. So like that's still in me. If I can find something else, I could find like a flower. And like, that could be the key to make me feel the same way. So like, that's, it's really exciting to think about that. And I think really is a very optimistic way to think about the variety and the hundred plus ways um, that we can love. And I would say that my favorite stuff on love is by Bell Hooks. I'm sure you were yeah, familiar, but I would recommend any of their work um, to, to just do a deep dive on love and what it means and what our culture t- thinks about love and um, platonic relationships and romantic relationships. I just, yeah, their work has really impacted me deeply. 
about love and relationships. So. This episode is brought to you by some of my favorite self-care supplies. Number one is Young Living Essential Oils. What's great about these is you can put them directly on your skin, and my favorites are mint and lavender. Number two is a tea infuser. Every night, I shred fresh ginger and soak it in hot water to make tea. Ginger helps reduce inflammation, and for someone who has always had a sensitive stomach, it really aids with my digestion, and I highly recommend Number three is a good book. Right now, I'm reading Harry Potter as kind of a self-care, mellow, nighttime read, as kind of a reminder that reading can be fun and we don't always have to be reading something super intense and educational. I guess speaking on like love and relationships and just like life in general how do you then balance this like love with your career and like self-care and all the things that you need to fill your cup every day because kind of what we're talking about here is you know finding positive optimistic ways to just kind of like experience the mundane everyday life you know like every day is beautiful you just kind of have to look out for the little things but like how do you kind of balance that because I know that you're a very very busy person (laughs) so yeah it's a it's a really good question um I would say that um the pandemic was a, a blessing and a curse in many ways um because it allowed me And it allowed me to create a world around work as opposed to a more balanced life. When you didn't, when I didn't have much to do, I receive a lot of satisfaction from work. Um, I'm a, I don't know, I I get into this stuff, but I'm a Capricorn. So I'm like work and money and like building wealth are really important to me, whether that's just because I am who I am, whether that's because of yeah, uh, my environment growing up, I don't know, but I like to say it's because I'm a Capricorn. Um, but work is extremely satisfying for me. Um, and I think this is again, part of a bigger conversation about, about my twenties and what that looked like, but I can fall into very disordered patterns. And so I think COVID allowed me to fall into a bit of a disorder with work because I love it. Like it feels good. I make money. The work that I'm doing is supporting amazing people doing amazing things in the world and have a huge reach who are really changing lives. But then taking a step back, it's like, okay, I am supporting all of these holistic health businesses. Like when am I having time to move? When am I cooking myself a nice meal? When am I going to therapy? Like I'm not not really living these tenants, but I feel quite well. Um, And so it's important for me to continue to, as we all kind of crawl ourselves out of post-pandemic until who knows what happens next, but as we continue to kind of synthesize what our learnings were, being so isolated and being so like single focused and now having the ability to create more of a schedule and more of a timeline um, 
I think incorporating small, small things every day are really important to me. So like my pillars are coffee. Like I love the tiny micro moments of coffee or tea. It's funny how it's often beverages. And so I'm like curious about that. But like after I'm done with work for the day or even continuing to work at like five, six, seven, like having a beer or a glass of wine or like a cocktail, having those those ritualistic markers of like, this is my part, this is the part of the day. And now this is a different part of the day. Um, or like my skincare, washing my face or putting a hot washcloth on my face has got to be one of the most blissful feelings I have ever had and how simple it is to do that. And so making sure I do something so simple um, and just infusing all of those tiny moments of your day with things you really, really love. So like, if you love chapstick, don't be like, I'm going to be, I'm going to save a dollar and buy chapstick that is like not that great. And I don't really love the smell. Like if you put your chapstick on 10 times a day, buy something you really love and enjoy the moment that you do that every single day. If you, this is a weird thing that I do. I love really frothy hand soap, like really sudsy hand soap. <laughs> And so if somebody has like a bar of hand soap in their bathroom or like a pump of hand soap that I love and love the smell of, I take that moment and I'm like, wow, I am a queen right now. Like suds away, smelling, washing. It's just, (laughs) (laughs) but like those little types of things, find what you really love. Like I love wearing like hemp clothing or linen clothing. It's like, what does my body, oh my gosh, Hoo-ha underwear. This is not a paid sponsorship. I wish it were. Hoo-ha underwear. I, oh my gosh, if I wear their underwear, I feel like I am just absolutely on cloud nine all the day. It's like a treat. And I'm like, are you? Like, what are you doing? So just find, find things that make you feel like you're giving yourself a treat. And whether it's actually meditating or all the like stereotypical things, like doing yoga for 20 minutes or going on a circuit walk or like uh, doing those types of things that are so stereotypical, but like, also it can be way simpler than that. Like find mm-hmm. the things that really give you a lot of joy. If you have like very blue light bulbs in your house and you're like, these really irk me every time I turn them on buy soft colored light bulbs. Or like, if you're like, I've been wearing the same thing so long and it makes me feel bad about myself or like my pants are too tight and it makes me feel like I'm too big every time I put them on, like no more, like just take those things out of your life. And I think that's the most seamless self-care ritual you can do. No, I think that's a pretty incredible way to look at things because a lot of people are like, oh, I don't have enough time to... Yeah, to do all the things that I want to do. And it's like, yeah, get your 10,000 steps in and make sure you're meditating when you wake up and don't turn your phone on, don't look at it. And then make sure you're getting your 20 minutes of self-care reading in. And like, you add that all into your day. And it's like, I'm overwhelmed by how many things I need to do just to like, and at that point, it doesn't even become self-care. At that point, it just becomes another part of your to-do list. And it's just like, I really like that you're just kind of like, yeah, I'm just gonna like, implement these little things like for me I love showering like I just I I know it's not great for your skin and I don't care like I'm just like I like, this is what I'm gonna do <laughs> like five minutes extra in the shower every day and this is this is just funny because growing up my brother like there's five of us six of us because my brother's girlfriend lived here and it's like 
six people sharing one water heater like there was never any hot water because my brothers always showered before I did and so I'd never get hot waters so like now I just like sit there and I'm like wow I get five minutes of hot water this is like the best thing I've ever experienced in my entire life so I get yeah exactly and then also this the secondary thing to that is like don't uh, at least try I know this is harder obviously uh, to do but like don't be shameful about those things or like try not to feel guilty about those things like when you are showering in that five minutes don't be thinking about all of the two to-do lists that are coming it's like how can you cultivate such a focused presence to be like these five minutes are what I have right now and like I'm giving it to myself like this is what I'm doing for myself in these five minutes and I'm going to enjoy it and Mm -hmm. yeah So it's not like rushing, don't rush through that because that's your like capsule. That's like your, your moment. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think so much of us, even if, even if these like treats are in the actual form of treats, like if I'm going to have a cookie, I'm not going to have just half the cookie and be like, oh, well, I'm just going to have half a cookie or like, I, I shouldn't eat this cookie. Or if I'm eating a cookie now, I shouldn't have something later or something like just really enjoy it. And that one's very hard, especially with food, um, with all our really bullshit messaging as specifically women, but I know it affects men quite deeply as well. Um, and really all genders at that, at that point. But, um, yeah, I, it's just, it's really important to just really appreciate, especially cause they're quite small. It's yeah. harder to be like, I spent $500 at the spa. I'm feeling a little guilty cause I can't make my rent this month that's a different story than like, I'm going to really rub up my hands when I'm washing my hands after going to the bathroom. It's a different, yeah. Luxuriate in some of those things. And and how do you stay present in those moments? Like, is there something that you do? Cause, cause I know sometimes I will be in the shower and then I'm like, well, shoot, I should get out. Cause I have to go do this, this, and this. Like, how do you stay present in those moments? Yeah, it reminds me of something that um, Juliana, the woman I had, I work for, talks talks about in some of her holistic sexuality. She said two. She says two of the pillars of holistic sexuality tap into mindfulness, um, and that's pleasure and sensuality. And so, if you think about the various senses, and I know there's a lot of um, present kind of meditations, like uh, Lisa, the one I also work for, she talks about like five things you can see and four things you can hear or smell or three things you can taste and that type of thing. So that type of exercise, but it's all talking about the same thing. Your senses are extremely tuned to keep you in the present moment. Like if we think about our our evolution, we had to be very keen. Like if the tiger's coming after us, we're going to have to move. So our senses are the quickest way to get out of our mind and into our bodies and into the present moment, which in which provides gratitude, right? Which provides presence and mindfulness. And so if we can think about like, if you're in the shower and you start getting in your your to-do list being like, what does the feeling of hot water on my skin feel like? Like, what does that feel like at at the skin level? Not like my contextualized way, but like, what does that feel like? And like, do I like the hot water better, like coming right on my, my top of my head, or do I prefer it on my upper back? Like what, 
what about that? What about those sensations are providing you the most pleasure, um, the most bliss? And how does that really tap you in to the present moment? And like my, my touch when I'm say washing my hands, it's like the tactile feeling of what I'm doing and the smell of the soap and the feeling of the hot water. It's like, how do you bring yourself into that present moment by actually feeling, touching, sensing, understanding what's providing you with the pleasure. And you'll quickly realize that like, even just meditating on that will just snap you into the present moment very quickly and it's quite nourishing. And do you, so have you always had this type of practice for self-care? Um, like, I guess I kind of want to get back into maybe a little bit of, you said your twenties were kind of terrible. So I'm wondering like, is this, is everything that we're talking about now, like the person that you are, is it, you know, an accumulation of a ton of things that happened in your twenties and you're like, now this is who I am, or is this kind of someone that you've always been um leading up to this moment like how kind of did you get here I guess yeah I think I think it's been a clarification process so for for anybody that knows anything about like cooking or something I feel like my pre-college time I was like butter right like a solid stick of butter like you have everything really taken care of you as a child, for you as a child, at least um, those of us who have safe and secure homes. So you have food on the table, you have your extracurriculars, you had your life that was planned out for you. You have your friends that you meet and they kind of, they either stay or they go throughout high school, you meet new people, but you don't really expand too much outside of your, your radius. You're like a stick of butter. He's on the fly. So I don't know where this analogy is going to go, but I like it. So, <laughs> so then when I got to college, it was kind of this like melting process. And sometimes like the butter was in the freezer. And like, then I tried to spread frozen butter on toast. And I was like, no, that's not working for me. And then sometimes it would be very, like, very melty and like pouring out. And it's like, well, pouring butter on toast isn't really helpful either. And then, so you're like, okay, well, changing form. So I was always myself, like I'm butter this whole time, but the form of me changed quite a bit in college. And I would say the, the going with the melting analogy, I lost so much of, of who I was or, or where I was or the person I was. Um, I had, well, I experienced quite a, a severe eating disorder and um, really just a loss of who I was. I don't really remember much about like that five, five-ish years of my life where I'd feel like it was quite a black hole. I was still doing things. Um, I would say I was, was in a state of depression. I didn't know that at the time, um, but I was highly undernourished. Um, yeah, I lost my period for seven years. Like I just restricted all joy. I restricted all pleasure. It was all punishment under the idea of health. Um, I was running half marathons, like really damaging my body in many ways, all under this guise of self-care, right? All under the guise of saying like, if you, the society is telling me I need to be doing all of these things to be well, let me show you I'm gonna do it. And so I did. Um, and in the process, I had no sense of self. I, I completely lost any sort of alignment to who I was. So it was like 
that butter slipped through, like somebody poured the melted butter down the drain, right? Like, I don't know where I went. Um, but now being on the other side of that, I could see so clearly that that was a clarification process. I was always here. I just had no t connection to myself at all. Um, and now it feels like I have kind of, I'm making or made ghee. And if you know of like making ghee, the process of making ghee is boiling butter. So boiling solid butter until you clarify out the milk solids. So it has all of these cool changes that bubbles and bubbles, and then it foams and foams and foams. And then the foam condenses into smaller bubbles. And then all of the milk solids kind of go to the bottom and then they brown and, and you strain the ghee. And then you have this gorgeous liquid at the end that also is solid, but liquid, but is so clarified and so refined and so rich and decadent and really just like, ah, oh, Sarah, it calls it like 10,000 croissants. Well, it makes fun of the way I say croissants because we're American, but anyway, is that it's that process of saying like, how do you condense the most beautiful part of something and go through all of these changes, all of these like foamings and bubblings and trying on big bubbles and trying on small bubbles and like settling down and settling out and then getting rid of and straining out. I feel like this part of my life is really, um, I'm just so excited to have the ghee. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I appreciate it so much more because I lived many years without, without any connection to myself. And so to say that this was my life or myself for my whole life, it hasn't been. Um, but I just think I appreciate the value of it so much having gone through it. And I wouldn't have been able to clarify myself if I didn't go through the process. So it's like, I'm quite grateful. Um, but I think that's why too, I can't get in this thing that like, I lost my twenties or I'm yeah. off track or I'm behind because what's that going to do for me? Like, it's going to hold me back. It's going to hold back the support I can give to other people. It's, it's only going to further tell me the story that I'm behind. So if I believe that it's going to continue to be true. Like mm -hmm. I, I, I don't do that and I can't do that. And yeah, I think a big gift of that is, has always been, my mom had me when she was 39. So I, I don't know if kids are in my future, but if, if they were, I've always felt this permission to be like, I don't, there's no rush for my life. And, um, my, my mom has always been very clear about the fact that like, there are no expectations. There are no pressures on, on me to have children or anything like that. And so I think that's given me permission to blossom that into every part of my life and say like, you know, I, I am doing what I'm doing and it's, I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing. And if it's not like somebody else, then that's pretty on par for my life, I think. Well, and I think you, I think we have fairly similar stories, I guess, like into our twenties. I mean, granted, I am still only 24, um, but I think I'm finally starting to get out of that phase a little bit of like what you're kind of talking about of just like killing your body and just like hating your life and being like, what am I doing? Like, I hated college. I like, it's just not, you know, a lot of people are like, this is so fun. Exactly. And I'm like, Same. I'm like, I could have went a million lifetimes and never experienced college. Totally. Like I, those four years of my life, my mom, you know, always thought that like, that would be, she was like, you will love college. Cause like, I was so outgoing and I was like, 
I hated every second, maybe not every second, but you get the point. Um, But I guess what I'm saying is like, I'm kind of, you know, coming out of that phase and kind of getting into this, like, okay, like I can take my time and I can do what I want. And I'm flourishing outside of this whole, like, school, like traditional little box that they put us in. And I think a lot of people that maybe listen to this are kind of like, in that phase that you were in because we're probably in our younger 20s so I guess I'm wondering yeah if you could you know give yourself though a piece of advice looking back on it or you know give the younger generation a little bit of <laughs> yeah. you're not even old like I said oh, I think it's like, funny I think it's quite an honor I'm not I'm not fussed about I when I turned 30 I was like hell yeah like get me out of the 20s everybody <laughs> told me these were supposed to be like my prime and I was like Dude, Good everyone time. says that everyone's like oh yeah you gotta oh my oh. my best friend and I have been talking about this idea of like living up your 20s like everyone thinks that you're <laughs> supposed to be going out and having sex and getting drunk oh, exactly and I'm just like I don't want to like don't tell me that this is what living up your 20s is because I simply <laughs> do not agree I'm just like I'm it's, like you're wrong like yeah I agree everyone, yeah so I, I think that I, that's that's the phase we're kind of in because you know I'm in this period of like you know that I moved to Utah and it's kind of like yeah I don't have a lot of friends I don't go out and like party on the weekends and I don't I I don't know like I just don't do all the typical things that you're supposed to be doing apparently around this age and I'm like reading more books and I'm I'm writing more and I'm you know I'm doing things for me because I have the time right now it's kind of like what you're saying is like I have all this time right now to kind of just like build in the things that I love so why would I not do that but then there's this like outside pressure of like why aren't you doing that or like why aren't you going on dates like you're 24 and you're not even dating like at all and it's like you're you're 24 but like you never go out like I haven't had a drink since like Christmas and everyone's like wait you're like seriously and I it's just this pressure of you need to be doing this and like how do you kind of counteract that like how do you get away from that or any advice on like not listening to the people that are telling you that this is what you should be doing yeah yeah that's a good question um and similarly to you like college was very challenging for me um the biggest blessing was that I met my best friend out uh, one of the women in Australia actually um and uh yeah Emily and I talk about it so much like what would our lives be without each other? And what do people do without each other, without a one of us? And we we talk about it so often, just like we can't imagine our lives without each other. And I think that probably is my one of my biggest pieces of advice is to to know who that who the, that person or those people are. This doesn't have to be any sort of romantic relationship. It doesn't even have to be a relationship with another person, but cultivating a relationship um, to something, whether it's reading or whether it is something that's really, truly nourishing and not in a mask of nourishing and really damaging, because that's also a trap that people can fall into. It's like, oh, I'll just do yoga. And then your yoga is actually not serving you um, in the long run, because it's more like you're doing it for different means. but. I would say finding something or someone that reflects back to you, the person that you want to be, not necessarily what, 
who you think you are or how you see yourself. I think it's really invaluable to find to find somebody like whether it's a Sarah, it could be even a role model that you're like not in, in contact with. Finding somebody that gives you permission and reflects to you. So it's a reminder to yourself who you want to be. You might not be that person right now, but find the person that that validates you and where you want to be going and who you want to be. Um, and I, I know that feels kind of esoteric and, and hard, hard, hard advice to follow, but um, I think the mirroring is something that we can all really, uh, yeah, take hold of because it's like, if you're going on dates with people just to go on dates and the person they're mirroring back to you is not somebody that you admire, it's might not be true, but like, for example, as a woman, if you are only receiving a message back to you that you are only sexually or physically attractive, and that's all that people value about you as a young 20 year old woman, you're like, is that the person I want to be though? Is that the person that I admire and find people who mirror back to you and think that you are something really that you admire. And I think that, yeah, similarly to you from 20, from 20 to 27, I did not have, I cut my hair extremely short. I lost a lot of weight. Um, and I was like, I want to be like the least attractive or like physical, whatever we want to call societally attractive. Like people do not notice me, like don't notice me because I don't want to go on dates. I don't want to like do this part of my life. Like I want to be just on my own. Like I want to be in my black hole, um, which is not what I would advise, but similarly to you, I think, I think that is such a falsity and that like these dating for the sake of dating is way more damaging than it is a success. Um, until again, until all parts of you are aligned and say like, this is really what I want to be doing. Dating is not something that should be taken lightly. I think it can be really damaging um, for everybody involved. And this is not just for women. This is for men too, because we're all playing a game and we're playing the roles and the parts that we think that we're supposed to be playing. And I, yeah, I just, I would caution against that. <laughs> um, dating. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, you said something a little earlier too, that's like when you're talking about health and wellness and you're like, okay, tell me all the things that I'm supposed to do and like, I'll do them and I'll do them well. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the issue. I think, I mean, at least in my experience and it's kind of like, we're these people that it's like, tell me how to do something, show me how to do it. And like, I will do it and I will do it well. And I will do it to the point that like, this isn't healthy anymore. And that's kind of like with anything, it's like with a job, with a relationship, with um, health and wellness. It's just, I guess, health and wellness is the example here because that's what we're talking about. But it's just kind of like what you're saying about yoga. You know, I got, I was like, oh yeah, I want to start doing yoga because it's really good for you. But then you go to yoga six times a week on top of what else you're doing. And you're like, this is like, I'm like so tired. And this is like, not what the point is of yoga. But like, I, I struggle to do something like halfway. So it's kind of like dating or anything. I'm like, just to go out and like date for fun for me. is just like, well, I, I just don't see it working because I'm like, then I, I get attached and I'm like, show me how to date. And like, 
I'll be the best person you've ever dated. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like it's such a, it's such a hard example because it's like work, you know, it's just like, give me a task. And like, even if you're not treating me correctly in the workplace or I'm not getting paid enough, like I'm still going to do it and I'm going to do it well. And it's, it's hard to, I guess some people don't have that mindset, but like I have that mindset and it's kind of like an opposite addiction, but it's still in the form of like that release in your body of like, I'm addicted, being good at the things that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if there's like a question here, but it's just kind of like, that's kind of what I'm thinking about when you, when you talk about all of this, it's like this pressure or this need to just like do everything and do it a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I think that brings up a good point too. And that like, if you look back and this, this is kind of like a tangible thing for people to do if it was, whether it's on a piece of paper in a journal or just in your mind when you've got some time, but if you're thinking about the things that you have done to that degree, so the things that you have said, like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to go all in, I'm going to really just like hit this one hard. They don't always work out well. So specifically in the dating realm, in times that I've been like, I am just going to go all in. I am going to really just do what everybody's telling me to do. Go on an app or just go on the date or just do it. I I found that because I wasn't, because I have this drive to go all in and to do it and to show people that I'm I'm gonna do it. It's a bit of stubbornness those times always don't, they don't always work out well. And so not only reflecting on the times that do work out well, like I could talk this whole podcast about taking these leaps and taking these big risks that have worked out really well. But I've also done a lot of reflection on taking these big risks or pushing myself when I knew I wasn't aligned or pushing myself because I wanted to do something really well. And the outcomes were pretty detrimental they're pretty bad. Um, They cause me and other people a lot of pain. Like it's just, yeah. So in thinking about that part of, of things too, don't just cling to the good things. Also really study the times that doing that type of behavior hasn't turned out well and find out why it hasn't turned out well and what you circumvented in your feeling. So if you were like, I knew this, this was not, there were red flags. I knew I wasn't supposed to do this, or I knew, I knew, I knew be very clear about that and start to realize what those signs are in your body that say like, what is the hell yes feeling? And what is the hell no feeling way above and beyond like cognitively? Cause you could be like, Oh yeah, hell yes. Hell, hell no. And very like pros and cons in your head. But think about what actually it feels like those like go through those choices that you have made in the past and and find out where where you diverted from your path and why it went wrong or why it went well and really start to focus on those. I think that's better than trying to perseverate on like what is next or like what am I supposed to be doing or or what is the hell yes for me? It's like how. How do you really tune into those signals that your body tells you um, that something is is right or not right for you? So then I guess that kind of brings me to my last question here is just, you know, like I said, that the idea of this whole season is kind of like moving towards the things that feel good to you. And you kind of talk about that because you're saying, you know, the hell yes feelings, the hell no feelings. And 
obviously we can't we don't always go for the hell yeses sometimes we really try to convince ourselves that there's like that we should be doing that thing that doesn't feel good Mm -hmm. so do you kind of feel like every time you've gone for that hell yes feeling it's it's worked out for you or do you feel like yeah do you feel like it's worked out for you and do you feel like if you kind of go towards the things that you have hesitations for those are the things that don't end up working out for you I guess what are the things that what does it mean to you to kind of move towards things that feel good and are there things in your life that you're just trying to also cut out I guess yeah the hell yeses have always been right every time um yeah every time uh I would say and that's from like a I didn't eat gluten for many years and then I knew I wanted to eat bread and I was like that is a hell yes so like that is something for like I shouldn't be having coffee, but now I'm going to have coffee. That's a hell yes. Uh, So it can be very simple things like that, but it can also be like moving to a different country to start a job that I have no idea what it looks like, no idea how I'm going to make the money to be able to pay myself to do the job, like smallest things to the biggest things. Uh, But the hesitation, the things in my life that I have felt hesitation for I always, and this only had happened in reflection, I was only able to learn about that when I thought about it. And it's not easy to admit the fact that you made a bad choice or something like that. Um, but when I'm reflective on those, those choices that weren't right for me, there was a fracturing of myself. I left some of myself behind and I moved forward in my physical form. I was like, okay, I'm just gonna do this. But I put a lid on, I shut down, I, I fragmented myself. The woman I work for, Lisa, she talks a lot about these different parts of ourselves, does a lot with internal family systems and therapy. And so I put parts of myself in the closet or behind me or just like shoved, like put a lid on it. And then I moved forward and I said, like, I cognitively know better. Like, this is a Yes. But in doing so, in doing that and leaving myself behind and leaving my voice behind and leaving my my true desires behind, you really damage, damage the relationship you have with yourself and damage uh, the potential of what you're doing. And that's what I mean by when you're like aligned, when all of your parts of you are saying like, yes, Caitlin, this is where you need to go. Or is the yes meaning that you have to leave half of yourself or a quarter of yourself an eighth of yourself behind or, or change yourself or, or to say no to some of yourself does not mean a hell yes. You know, does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah. So do you think it's best to then make those decisions, you know, with all of yourself involved, even if your brain is telling you like, maybe that's like the practical thing to do, or maybe that's the smart thing to do. You still think, you know, those decisions that are just kind of with your brain and like, kind of practical you know it's better to make the whole hell yes decision than this like half-hearted practical decision yeah yeah I think there's a lot there's another another kind of layer to this that I found really supportive and I hope maybe somebody else does too but specifically about like decision making I don't know if you know much about human design but um, I'm a big it's kind of in that like astrology world Uh, I really love studying human design and studying different types of human design. And um, my like title is called splenic projector. And as, as a splenic 
person, as somebody who is dictated by my spleen, the spleen is very like, uh, very sense oriented, kind of like a deer with their antlers that are like very sensing. And so it, it tunes into a very primal instinctual knowing if I smell something that's not right, I know immediately. If I have this funky feeling that something's not right, or I don't need to be someplace, or I shouldn't be someplace, I know to move immediately. And human design says for, for people who are guided by their spleen, you only have this moment, this one little moment. And the second you start actually thinking about it, you lose that window of intuition. And so knowing that about myself, I've really clung to that as a way for me to feel better about my decision and know that like that first gut instinct for me, which is maybe different from you, you might be uh, like an emotional person. And so you need to ride through a whole wave of emotions before you can make the best decision for yourself. Um, and so finding and studying your human design, I think specifically from a, from a decision-making perspective has been really helpful for me because then I can trust that I can be like, okay, I know I, I make decisions and I know I have a short window to know truly if it's authentic to me. And then the second I start thinking, I lose the connection to myself. So that's been a really great tool for me to know how to make decisions. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, it's always been correct. But my intuition can be guided by something that's very different from yours or somebody else's. So if you're interested in that, I would yeah, suggest to look more into it and then and then really give it a go. See if it if it's right for you, because it's been right for me. Oh no, I definitely would. I'll definitely have to get some some books yeah. from you or yeah. something. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that's all the time that we have, but thank you so much for chatting today. I really appreciate it. That was a great conversation, seriously. Like it's so fun. It's so fun. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Becca Blue Rose podcast. I really hope you guys enjoyed today's show and learned something new. Don't forget to tune in every Thursday evening at 8 p.m. Mountain Time for more of my adventures and reflections on life. If you're enjoying this podcast, please don't forget to like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at Becca Blue Rose. Until next time, keep reflecting on the things that matter most to you in life. See you guys soon.